This is the Blatcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. What's the matter, Senor Luigi? You look a little nervous. I'm very nervous. Have you had anything to eat today? No. First night opening night jitters, huh? Yeah. Put your pants back on. From Hollywood at Massapequa, Long Island... It's the Chevy Chase Show 30th Anniversary Special. And now, they're still not ready for prime time. Liam McEnany, Tom Kelly, and Christian Blatt. Yes, welcome to a very prestigious occasion here on the Blackcast. It is indeed the 30th anniversary for the Chevy Chase show, and I, for one, am honored to be able to be here, uh, joined by the uh, not the most famous person from Massapequa, but also not the most infamous person from Massapequa, the <laughs> one and only Mr. Thomas J. Kelly. Hello, sir. Hello, always an honor to be uh, on a camera with you, my friend. And uh, joining us uh, for the first time on the Blackcast, uh, Liam McEnany, uh, thank you so much for being with us, sir. Uh, what an honor it is to be here celebrating 30 years. And I think the only person who can be more excited, <laughs> the only person can be more excited about 30 years passing uh, will be Danny Masterson. <laughs> oh, you came loaded with that one, didn't you? I uh, no, actually, I just thought of it, believe it or not. You made me reach up and get my bell. All right. You you got a bell uh, for that. Thank you, sir. Uh, and uh, did Liam get a booking for this because Mila and Ashton wrote a letter on his behalf? <laughs> yeah. The... You know. Uh, can, we, can we get these out of the way now? Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I, I know them a little bit because uh, their kids uh, used to go to the same preschool as my kids. And I was in a pie eating contest with Ashton Kutcher. Uh, neither of us won. I'm still working on the punchline for that. I'm just stating the facts. Uh, tweet us at Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, if you have a punchline suggestion for our joke about a pie eating contest with Ashton Kutcher that neither of us won. Who did? Let us know. Uh, in the comments uh, on the video or on social media. Uh, Tom, uh, it's a, it is a joyous occasion to celebrate, uh, you know, the milestones of comedy. And uh, we're focused on Chevy Chase himself. And I think the greatest place to start is uh, an interaction you had with Chevy Chase. It's a few years after where, where we're going to be spending time. Uh, it, it's, uh, l let's say this, this moment might be a little bit of a downturn, but, uh, when you had an interaction with Chevy, it might've been an even bigger one. Uh, did so you write I... snow dogs? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I, I am starting to realize with Liam on the show, I should have done a lot more prep for this podcast. I apologize to the audience yeah. right now. He, he has huge, he has tremendous respect for Liam, none for me, but I wouldn't have it any other way. By the way, I just want to point out before I answer any questions, this is the most niche of niche shows. When you talk about maybe there is too much entertainment out there, we're about to do a one-hour podcast about a show that only lasted 30 hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
too much America. The writers are doomed. People are now going to watch this and go back and watch all 30 hours of the Chevy Chase show. That's 30 more hours. We're all on strike. I'm not happy about this. Uh, but I, I actually, unlike other people. Or you could know, watch. Oh, you know what? I almost made a joke. And then I realized uh, what you do for a living in places you work. So I stopped myself. For something that I was going to have to edit out. Uh, anyway, Thank Tom, you. why don't Thank you go you, back please. to what you were going to say? Please, because uh, there's that much work left right now. I'd like to hang on to what little I have. Uh, so back to us. Uh, a lot of people don't like Chevy Chase. Uh, I had one interaction with him and found him to be good hearted. Uh, I did find my interaction deflating, but it wasn't his fault. Uh, okay. I was an NBC page with Christian Blatt back in the 1990s. And what they would tend to do is overbook the audience for a show. Like they would book an audience, what's, what was it, 200, 300, whatever it was. And then suddenly if Michael Jordan showed up with his six kids and his mother-in-law, they would bump seven people because that's Michael Jordan or whatever the celebrity is, the biggest celebrity you could think of in the 90s. And we had brought the audience from the ground floor up to the ninth floor hallway. And all of a sudden, people were realizing they aren't getting in for the live show. We let too many people into the building. And there was the famous SNL Overlook green room just a few feet away from where the audience was. And now here I am dealing with an angry crowd, telling them they have to leave. And who wanders out but Chevy Chase? And my jaw drops. Okay, we. this is what the magic of ushering for Saturday Night Live is supposed to be like, I am now actually hanging out with Chevy Chase and all of these people. And Chevy comes out to try to help me with, do my job and help to take the, the pain off of these people. He says, I will use my star power to put these flames out. And he says, hey, guys, I'm sorry you're not getting in, but maybe we could hang out for a minute. And, uh, and, and the crowd is just not having him either. And then he goes, guys, not from the star of spies like us. <laughs> now, that was a great movie. I am sadly uh, I, I'm going to agree to disagree there. Uh, or yes, exactly. From the stars of spies like spies us. Like he us, goes. Yeah. Then he says, hey, guys, I'll even do a weekend update for you. And me very earnestly, I say, yeah, you could do some old Nixon jokes. And just he just looks at me and goes, Nixon jokes. Very funny kid. And then walked away. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was just uh, a very deflating moment for me, for, uh, for the audience. And uh, listen, if, any, if Chevy's out there listening, he did his best to cheer up strangers. Yeah. And the strangers were just not into it. It's uh, it's very reminiscent of a story from the 70s at the old uh, SNL offices and uh, George Harrison wanders into the writer's room and there was a piano there and he sits down and he starts to play and uh, uh, Al Franken sticks his head out and says, who the hell's playing that Beatle music? And uh, George Harrison just got up and slunk away and uh, no one got the free concert they would have gotten. He knew exactly what he was doing. You were just trying to jump in and have fun and uh, Chevy wasn't having it. Yeah. Nixon jokes. Very funny. I, you know, it's funny. I see Al Franken's big on the New York stand-up scene again right now. Yeah. And I hope to ask him about that story. Al Franken, without giving anything away, never have I seen a man that I've been more excited to meet and hang out with to be so aloof to spending time with Tom Kelly. You know, it's the right way to, like, you just, you could just tell, you ever just see someone and say, 
man, that's a man who wants you to know he was a senator. Uh, <laughs> but doesn't um, necessarily want to talk about SNL time. You know, yeah, that's exactly. the vibe what were we going to say? I mean, wrong. Every famous person I've ever talked to has been a treat and a delight. And that's all I can say about that. Oh, because... so obviously you never got to meet Chris Kattan. In any case, one of the things that I... Oh, no, no, I said celebrity. I said celebrity, oh, not, uh, okay. not Chris Kattan. Come on. All right. Actually, not to dispute uh, Liam, but Chris Kattan is playing the Poconos next month. And that's Ooh. a dream. <laughs> wow. Playing the Poconos is kind of a dream. The, so, re the resort the dream with the shaped tubs. Dude, the dream of, of 1957. Like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of dreams, you know, I think at uh, differing times, I, I might go out on a limb and say maybe each of the three of us at some point thought that uh, it would be fun to host a talk show, a late night talk show. And uh, we've all hosted podcasts. Uh, Tom did some television uh, while he was at a prestigious uh, Northeastern University. And I think that find the lie, Tom, everything I said was true. And I think that uh, it, it's interesting because you have to think back to 1993, you know, and the moment where Chevy Chase gets to do a late night talk show for the Fox network, which I think is uh, something that often gets overlooked comes about for the simple reason that they wanted Dolly Parton she said, no, why don't you ask Chevy Chase? So they did. And, you know, I think that there'd been a couple of stinkers for Chevy. And uh, it seemed like, well, I'm funny. Uh, I, I should be able to do this. I'm sure that there, I believe there was a $3 million uh, a payday attached to this. They also spent a million dollars on something that we'll learn was called the Chevy Chase, the Chevy Chase Theater for about, uh, five weeks, and then it uh, may have uh, reverted to its previous name. And for people who know LA, by the way, uh, what I learned is that that theater was what was the Nickelodeon uh, sound stages for a number of years when I first moved to LA. And I the Aquarius it's, uh, Theater, the Aquarius on, uh, Theater, yes, sir. On yeah. Hollywood or Sunset? It's on Sunset. I think it was on Sunset. Uh, over, sunset. Yeah. yeah, not far, not far from uh, the former location of Amoeba Records or the Cinerama right. Dome. But that concludes our walking tour of old Hollywood. I, I, actually, may I add uh, just a quick note of trivia that the Chevy Chase show was so bad. Not only did they rename the Chevy Chase Theater in Los Angeles. But the Chevy Chase Theater in Chevy Chase, Maryland, is now known as the Avalon Theater. I just found that on a quick Google. That's amazing. Uh, I'm I'm surprised that Chevy Chase, Maryland, is still <laughs> called Chevy Chase, Maryland. Actually, that's the the, the most surprising part. <laughs> and, uh, and and you know, just to put it in context, uh, a little bit more than a year earlier, Johnny Carson retires from the Tonight Show. And Jay Leno takes over and uh, uh, movies and books have been written about that. Uh, and a, a week before Chevy comes to the airwaves, uh, David Letterman does his first show for CBS uh, literally a week before. And uh, I didn't want to I, I talked about this uh, earlier on who are these broadcasters. I don't want to go out on a limb here, but uh, Letterman's first show and his tenure at CBS might have gone a little bit better. Uh, I, I, I know it's a controversial take. Uh, people aren't necessarily ready to hear the truth, but uh, I, I feel like it went better. Um, I'm 
also re just remembering, I, I assume we were all in the New York area in 1993. The push for the Chevy Chase show on Fox was, it was impressive in, in a number of ways because there was so much advertising for it. Uh, you know, there were these ads of Chevy, like on the side of the bus, you know, he had, uh, he had like a gap tooth, like Letterman. I don't know if you guys remember that sort of a thing, but, uh, I, I remember it very well. Uh, do you kind of remember, let me ask you first, Tom, do you remember them trying to sort of, uh, feign excitement for the Chevy Chase show, trying, trying to force us to be excited at the, at, at that point? See, you're, it's so easy for you to be negative. I saw that ad, ready to fill the late night gap. Yeah, because uh, he's, got a, he's got a fake gap in his teeth, like Letterman, you know? Yeah. Was it, maybe this is why nobody's hired me as a showbiz executive. But if you can go back to the 1993 mindset, why wouldn't this work? Uh, Letterman is proving at the time that there's room for more people to watch a late night show. Sure. Uh, you know, you had Arsenio Hall doing okay at that point. Jay Leno and Dave were fighting out for an existing chunk of viewers. Why not an extra guy coming in? I mean, you know, you, you know, people say, oh my gosh, is there room for three white guys in late night? I think now we're up to nine. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, why not a, a, a Chevy Chase show? And remember too, Chevy, before Leno became the permanent guest host of the Tonight Show, Chevy was subbing in for Jay. Yeah. Uh, if I were an executive, I thought this would be an easy home run. Now, remember, Joan Rivers just failed. Maybe Fox yeah, was so that, part of the So just to, that was about four or five years earlier. That was the, was it that the previous earlier? time. Yeah, it was the previous time that Fox tried to have a, a, a late night show, was a Joan Rivers show, which also uh, garnered some controversy uh, for Joan and uh, I believe uh, Johnny Carson never spoke to her again. Uh, and she then, had been the uh, permanent guest host uh, for Johnny. What were you going to say, Liam? And it killed Edgar. That's all I wanted to add. <laughs> well, I'm glad you jumped in with that. Uh, just uh, for the nature of the world we live in, allegedly, right? Uh, right, Liam? Allegedly. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I would say he killed himself because of this show. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, and and so Fox, I believe in most markets, this show was on at 11 p.m. Uh, Eastern and uh, the other late night shows started at 1130 or 1135 at some point. So you had some time to work with. People could check out Chevy uh, and there had been a big push. And Tom, I want to let you finish your thought. Go ahead no, but say. just finishing the thought, I thought this was going to be a home run, going to be a home run. Uh, remember, pre- the way I lived my life in high school was Arsenio at 11, Johnny's monologue at 1130, uh, Dave at 1230. Then it was, yeah. uh, if I was feeling crazy, it was Arsenio and Jay or predominantly Dave uh, at 1230. And then Conan at uh, 1230. Uh, right. Why not? The real competition was Arsenio. And I remember uh, being excited about the show before the launch of it. Well, at, at some point, uh, we can do a special. Uh, we missed the 30th anniversary of the the syndicated late night talk show the year before that I was a tremendous fan of, which was the Dennis Miller show. Uh, and uh, that had about, I think, six or seven months uh, on the air in 1992. Uh, and so there were a lot of attempts syndicated and otherwise 
Chevy comes on the air a week after Dave, a week before Conan. And, you know, Conan was literally unknown at that point. So that seemed like there was room for it. Uh, Liam, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you remember uh, about this era. If you have any thoughts about this idea okay. that Chevy Chase was going to host a talk show. So I'm going to tell you exactly what 17-year-old me thought about this specific ad right here, because it was everywhere. It was in newspapers back when people yep. used to read those. It was on buses. Sure. It was in trains. And every time I thought I, I saw it, I thought the same exact thing, which is it looks like they're trying to say that Chevy Chase will enter David Letterman's mouth. <laughs> like literally every time I saw the ad, that's all I could think about was just like, OK, it's because it, to me, it's like, right. That's a very sexual thing to yeah. another man's you know, mouth. To fill, to fill, yeah. Mouth. And, and filling his late night gap. That is yeah. also very well, sexual. Uh, I don't disagree. Well, I, not, I, I mean. Not to defend the Chevy Chase promotional team 30 years later, but I think it's funny because it's like, is he filling the late night vagina is uh, <laughs> the joke. I thought it was a dirty joke at the time. I, I, you know, look, I, I think that they, uh, they, they it, that, that's why it's truly funny because it works on so many levels, Tom. Here's, here's the thing, Tom. Anyone uh, on, in the New York City subway system who saw that ad and owned a marker agreed with you. And they would write it <laughs> all over. Um, but yeah. But the other thing, the crazy thing is, you know, you're talking about these late night shows, right? You know, you're talking about Joan Rivers' failure, talking about Chevy Chase failing. They all right. failed because they only, they could never get more than 3 million viewers at a time, right? Yeah. Like Chevy Chase topped out when he premiered at 3 million viewers. Now, and, and, and let me just he, interject, by the way, they, they guaranteed advertisers and affiliates that Chevy would bring 5 million viewers a night. And uh, no one, even Carson at that point, wasn't delivering that. So, so imagine, right? Like uh, now, if Chevy had one million viewers for his show every night, he'd be the king of late night. Yeah. Right. I, like, like Fallon's team dreams of a million viewers. Yeah. I mean, maybe a video will get a million views on YouTube, but but never live, never like night of airing. Right. No, exactly. So I, I think that uh, it makes sense as a gamble, but I don't know. There's there's a joke that Chevy will make that we'll uh, focus on in a little bit uh, that, that probably rings a little bit more than true. Uh, oh. Any shows that you've heard of, I, I, I've, I've seen a couple of the Late Night with Conan O'Brien test shows. Uh, you know, test shows are really important. And I wonder if they did test shows because – I think that they probably figured they would just test it out on the air. And uh, if they did test shows, uh, that's that, that, that would be breaking news. And that would be shocking because uh, you know, we've, we've preambled long enough. I, I want to share with the people uh, what we actually got uh, on that night. What's the matter, Senor Luigi? You look a little nervous. I'm very nervous. Have you had anything to eat today? No. First night, opening night jitters, huh? Yeah. You know, you really should eat something. Are you feverish? I don't think so. Well, let's check. Let's see here. No. A little bit warm. I think what you need is something to eat. No, I don't want to eat. My stomach is too nervous. I think what you need is a good tongue sandwich. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, I remember that's the thing I remembered about this show was the cold open of the first episode of the Chevy Chase show. And, you know, the, the hand puppet that vomits 
and uh, you know, only a, only a few years later, uh, the the Dana Carvey show would premiere with uh, Dana as Bill Clinton uh, opening his shirt and uh, breastfeeding puppies. So uh, I, I think that uh, you know there there sometimes can be a case to be made for putting your best foot forward. Um, was the first, it, go ahead. The first two the first two gags that open the entire run of the show are an anal thermometer gag followed yep. immediately by a close-up of a vomit gag. That's the tone setter for the rest of the Chevy Chase show. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I can think of which one of those things I would rather be doing than uh, watching the <laughs> Chevy Chase show as it goes along. Go ahead, Tom. Okay, uh, you know, I'm going to argue that's basically Anchorman humor there, though. Uh, I mean, not to defend Chevy Chase. And, uh, and I mean, listen, obviously I'm on the wrong side of history. It only lasted 30 shows, but 29, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> I guess there wasn't the test show. Okay. But you know, but I'm going to stand by this, that, uh, that's Chevy Chase humor. I mean, maybe we shouldn't have given him a show. Uh, I mean, but, uh, or maybe the expectations were so high, but yeah, I, I mean, I'll argue, I'll go back in time and I'll give you this one. Maybe and it's easy to say it now. Maybe Chevy Chase is overrated. <laughs> you know, if you okay. you know, like, and I know, but that's Chevy. That's classic Chevy. I would say I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Chevy Chase is not funny, and making him oh. the center of of comedy is not the right move because Chevy Chase is the greatest, maybe the greatest straight man in the history of comedy. So, like, what he does really well is he stands there and, and by the way, I'm not like underselling what he does because he's an extremely yeah. talented comic actor. But it's like you look at the vacation movies and what Chevy Chase does so well in those movies is like Randy Quaid comes in as Cousin Eddie and does something crazy. And then you watch Chevy just kind of react to that, think about it, do a slow burn, right? Like someone, like old lady dies and is put on the roof. You see how he reacts to that. You got a hillbilly that's like, how much money you got in your wallet? You see his reaction to that. And it builds and builds and builds until he's like beating up a plastic moose. And to put Chevy Chase in the position of being the guy who sells the joke and kind of being like the wacky puppet guy, it doesn't work. Like it's it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of strengths. Well, I, I think that uh, the show kind of betrays the fact that what he's not good at is ad-libbing. What he's good at is having written lines that seem like ad-libs. Like in Caddyshack, he's talking to Bill Murray and he's like, yeah, we got a pond in a pool. Pond would be good for you. But that's written by a very talented writer and it's delivered incredibly well. Right. But Chevy and didn't Har come up with that on the set, you know? But Harold Ramis knows he Chevy's not the guy who's going to be like going around muttering about a Cinderella story. He's going to be yeah. the guy that like eventually does something very crazy, but in a way that's like completely rooted in his character. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I disagree with the idea that he's not funny. However, you're hundred percent right that he is the straight man. I think that that's very important. Uh, but I, I think that, uh, you know, look, uh, Lauren Michaels uh, doesn't uh, enjoy improvisation. I mean, that's why Damon Wayans was fired from SNL. You know, I mean, there's there's other stories of that. So he was very good at delivering lines on a cue card, which is not that easy, by the way. The, those cue cards are very hard to read on SNL, judging for you could you know just look at some of the hosts uh, on that show, you know. Dude, I mean, look at the very first sketch in SNL history is Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor. 
And it's all Chevy Chase just kind of reacting to what the energy that Richard Pryor is throwing at. Right. So when you get to the point where like Chevy throws out the N-word and Richard Pryor goes dead honky, and then you watch Chevy's character kind of like backtracking, backtracking, backtracking mentally, it's the funniest thing. So I'm not saying like Chevy's not like a funny guy. I'm saying he's not like the guy that you want standing at home base selling jokes every night. Well, if I could build on something both of you have said, I think sure. Liam put into words what I was thinking, which is, yeah, he's a straight man. Uh, the words I was going to use was uh, Chevy was always the good looking swarmy guy and things were going on around him. And, and if you think about it, too, Chevy was a good looking man at age 20. You know, in 1976, when SNL came out, sure. we're now at 93. I'm not as hot as I was 15 years ago, you know. And Oh, you know, stop it, Tom. I'd say you're hotter. Actually, in all fairness, I am, but <laughs> I'm hotter. I mean, you guys knew me in the 90s and whatnot. Yeah, I'm hotter, but that's just, I didn't start off very high. But for other normal men, I mean, he was, no, but he was a hot frat boy. I was an awkward tech support geek. But, you know, but but Chevy was the hot frat guy. Things happened around him. And then just when you talk about, I guess the thought in my head throughout this is I don't want to justify the disaster, but you, you had the other line about delivering punchlines. Remember, this is 1993. Bob Hope is still alive. We're coming off an age where uh, one of the greatest punchlines in NBC history is, I just wanted to show you boys what you're all fighting for, you know, and, <laughs> you know, which really is just sexual harassment now, uh, you know, and I think if you were a network executive with that mindset, Chevy Chase must succeed. Why isn't he drawing 5 million viewers a night? Uh, you know, right. I, I mean, and, again. Well, and before uh, before we deal with any of the notes that we would get, I'll just uh, make a, uh, a historical correction. The first episode of Saturday Night Live was with George Carlin. And the first sketch is the I would like to feed your fingertips to the Wolverines. And then You're Chevy right. comes in and says live from New York at Saturday night. Um, right. I, and, I, and just to your I, point, if I, if I were watching this show and somebody didn't correct that, I would be like, who are these guys? You know? and, and I'll be honest, I was having trouble believing SNL launched a 50 year career with the N word. I was really. Well, 1975 was a different time. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, well, Richard Pryor did have an album called Super That Word, you know? So but, it was but that, was, that was episode two. Time. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I talked no, no, about you're right. That's episode two. And that was written by Paul Mooney, by the way. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, Chevy camped out on that for a while. He said that uh, Richard Pryor told him it was okay for him to use that word uh, because of that sketch. True story. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to uh, we're going to try uh, my prepared uh, clips again. Uh, just uh, speak up if you don't hear it. And if you don't, I have another way to play it. But this is a little bit easier to control. So we, uh, you know, the the uh, open of the show is actually fairly well done and, and looks very professional. So we're going to skip it. And we're going to get to the point where uh, Chevy uh, finally comes out for the first time. Okay, this is a very important moment for our audio audience. There's a man at a basketball hoop. He throws Chevy the ball. Chevy misses. Okay. Insert shot. So not an awkward cut at all right there, right? Uh, Liam, Tom, uh, Chevy uh, actually making the basket uh, and then going back to fumbling around, trying as hard as he can to actually uh, make it. It's the most fitting start to this show is uh, he he takes like two or three shots at that basket. Well, he doesn't succeed, but they 
They were smart. They cut it. We fixed it in post. By the way, in those days, it was probably very costly to go back and put an insert shot in like that, you know, uh, after the fact. Liam, I'll ask you first. Is there a more fitting start to this show than, all right, he's in the studio and uh, son of a bitch can't shoot a basket? You know, I think um, when viewers are watching a show for the first time, they really want to be presented with a pu- an unsolvable puzzle. And in this case, the puzzle is, why is there a guy playing basketball in the background of this talk show? Um, and, yeah. and very clearly, by the way, that insert shot was the producers after about 17 or 18 attempts just going, Chevy, it's okay, it's okay. We'll, we'll cut it in. We'll splice it in. You don't have to worry about it. It'll look like you made the basket the first time. Yeah, it'll look like it. Uh, what, what do you think seeing that, Tom? Uh, do, do you wish so, that you had the physical form of a 57-year-old uh, Chevy Chase? Actually, he couldn't possibly be that old at that point. But, you know, late 40s Chevy Chase. So there's two different ways to go. And I think uh, you and Liam put something into perspective. I've learned something from today's podcast, which is I think this – I think Chevy Chase was a victim of high expectations. You know, like <laughs> 5 million viewers a year. You know, over 5 billion viewers a night. And, you know, God, if they under-promised, I think that's comedy gold. The problem is, for the show you've built up, where you're guaranteeing 5 million viewers a night, you want everything to hit. Uh, I think Conan with a basketball net would have been hilarious because Conan would have made fun of it in the monologue, whereas Chevy Chase, again, his shtick is hubris. He's not going to own, look at me, I can't get it. Look at, my, look at me, I'm fat. Look at me, I'm going bald. You know, he's not going to do brilliant Tom Kelly jokes of I'm hotter than I was at age 20. You know, it, it, it's uh, and I think that's the miss. Now, just to historically, to Liam's point, I work in daytime TV. Uh, the preponderance of my career has always been live TV, where I always feel like live is the way to go. You get it or you don't. Uh, but modern daytime TV, ever since that uh, little up and comer Oprah came into the picture, was uh, let's tape ahead of time. Let's overproduce this. And you're right. If that were a, and what I see there are daytime TV gimmicks. And what I remember of Chevy Chase, and I know we're getting up to it, is I do remember the gimmicks. And I remember these gimmicks popping up again and again and again throughout my career in daytime TV in the 90s and 2000s. And I think one gimmick is, look at me. I'm shooting a basket. Now, remember, just a few years later, two years later, Rosie O'Donnell comes on the show, and her gimmick is we're going to launch the show, every show at a cold open, with not Rosie, with not a uh, celebrity, but it was a regular person from Jersey introducing what was on the show. Right about that. now, That's right. Yeah. Now, now, had Rosie failed, the three of us would be doing a podcast on why is that schmuck from Jersey saying Whoopi Goldberg's on the show? You know? And so I don't know. I think it was a shot uh, yeah. that missed literally well, and figuratively. It, it probably would have been Melissa from Munaki's fault, you know, uh, that uh, she was the one who announced it. But, uh, you know, funny that you mentioned Rosie O'Donnell, because I was going to bring up the fact that that show was live, except for the year that it wasn't. And uh, I don't think you worked on the year that they taped all the shows. But uh, a mutual friend of ours told us that the, uh, the, the show was just deadly that year. And then the tapings dragged on forever because they were working so hard at trying to, trying to get it right because it was taped and they, and they were able to. So they went back to doing it live after uh, one year. And I think there is there's something to be said for, uh, as the great Bill O'Reilly would say, do it live, you know? I just want to go back to this basketball player for a second. Sure, yeah. Magic Johnson 
was one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Yeah. He hosted one of the most infamously terrible late night talk shows of all time. Magic Johnson did not come out his first night and shoot hoops. <laughs> so why is Chevy Chase doing it? Well, do you think that he was watching the Chevy Chase show and he's like, oh, God damn it, I was going to do that. And now right. I can't, you know? Uh, yeah. By the oh. way, I, 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 I smell sequel to this episode and that sequel's name is the magic hour, but oh my uh, God. Are you say, Tom? <laughs> one how many, more, how many more years till we hit 30 on that one? But uh, you're, you've made some brilliant points there, but, but here's my point overall is why did they shoot a basket? Because they were trying to not be guy coming out of a curtain. Yeah. Uh, using your history, uh, you know, you had how many other knockoffs do late night shows where they just came out of a curtain and did the formula? He's like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to be the guy who shoots and, the basket. And, right. and the th the, I think the mistake was, or my question for you is, what happened? On, when did they stop shooting the basket, or did they do that for all 29? Shows? No, I, I think that's the. I think that's the only time because uh, I've I have not seen all 29 episodes. I, I have to apologize for not doing that level of research, but I haven't seen it in any other ones. But uh, to your point, the the uh, the big bold step in a lot of talk shows would be like, let's not do the curtain anymore. I mentioned Dennis Miller, his syndicated show at one point, he stopped coming out of the curtain. Uh, you had uh, hosts who tried, like, I'm not going to wear a suit. You know, first I'm like, right. I'm not going to wear a tie and then I'm not going to wear a jacket. Uh, Kimmel kind of settled on something like that. But ultimately you do kind of just go back to a lot of the conventions that work. I mean, I think that, uh, Seth Meyers show found any footing at all because he's like, oh, I'm more comfortable sitting at a desk telling jokes. Let's just do it that way. Uh, not everybody should stand in front of a curtain and, and tell jokes. I mean, if you think about Conan, uh, when he started, he would do like three, you know, he wouldn't, he really wouldn't do very many jokes at the curtain, you know? Um, and bringing it back to our subject, uh, to Chevy chase, uh, Chevy also, uh, does not actually tell jokes in his uh, opening segment. Uh, no, but he, this is him. Go ahead. He, Liam. he tells what I call jokes. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. Um, so uh, again, speak up if you don't hear, but uh, this is after the basketball and he's going to talk to the audience for the first time. Okay. So everybody's uh, excited. Now we are going to watch this again. We're not going to stop at the basketball this time. Though. We're going to actually just talk through it. We're going to see what a great shot by Chevy. And, uh, you know, he's like, all right, well, that went as about as well as it could. There's no way that could have gone better. So, uh, and, is... and I love anytime you watch something on YouTube and there's the old uh, VHS, like, crackle in the middle, you know, the, the tracking, fixing itself. That always personally takes me back. But, uh, you know, you can tell he's still thinking about that basketball that he didn't make, despite the fact that it looked like on TV. But then... Chevy knows that you have to point and move your hands to get your band to stop. We'll talk about the band in a little bit. Here's Chevy. Thank you very much. Hello. All right, please. Uh, please, please, please. Sit down. Hey, if I knew you were going to be this enthusiastic, I would have rehearsed. And that's the moment I was talking about earlier. Um, does anyone think he rehearsed uh, before he came out? Uh, he uh, is very, 
he's very cavalier about that, but uh, he does strike me as a guy who wouldn't do test shows and uh, and wouldn't uh, actually hearse. Uh, you know, but, hearse at, you know? but at least he spent the whole hour talking about how nervous he was and unprepared. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that uh, spoiler that comes up in uh, subsequent uh, monologues when he comes out. Uh, he's aware of the the feedback. Um, uh, Tom, you you messaged me something. Do you want to do you want to point it out, yes. or do you want me to say? Yeah, it? I was yeah. I was gonna say it while it played. If you yeah. look at his face through the whole standing ovation, he just has this look of I don't like people. Like yeah. people are cheering for him, showing love for him, and he's just whereas he just has this look of irritation that people are clapping for him. Yeah. And uh, in a, in a much later episode, he does a bit where he goes out in, I think it's episode 26. He goes out in the audience and he like, or, you know, let's uh, audience members tell stories. And I didn't pull it, but now I'm wishing I had <laughs> because uh, he's very uncomfortable uh, being around uh, people in general. Uh, but the surprising thing is, the one setting where you feel like he'd be comfortable would be standing on a stage, you know, there to entertain people. But I think this is the realization that he's not an actual live performer. You know, I, there, there's cue cards with things he can read, but not every word that he says is, is written out, you know? Uh, so it's, uh, it, it's already, you know, the Fox executives were already like, uh Oh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're there at the taping. And uh, I don't know, Liam, would you still be thinking about how you didn't make that basket? Um, <laughs> I, I would say the thing, the thing about Chevy that's easy to forget is the only thing he's ever really done other than maybe National Lampoon's Lemmings, like, but, prof but professionally on television that had a live audience was Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And Saturday Night Live is so, if you ever go to a tape, which you, you've been to a few tapings, you know. Yeah. Lauren has everything so strictly regimented and he has since literally day one that even the audience isn't really encouraged to like shout out or, or say things or interact with the performers. And when they do, it's, it's like genuinely notable. Whereas when you're, when you're talking one-on-one, -on -one, when you're a comedian or a host or whatever, and you, you're talking rhetorically to the audience, they're going to give it back to you. I think yeah. Chevy's not used to that. No, and in in some of the uh, later episodes, uh, the audience uh, definitely smells blood in the water because uh, <laughs> there is a lot more. You know, you know, he, he like takes a pause uh, to set something up, and then people take that as an occasion where they uh, should be shouting. Um, but uh, let's let's get back to this intro here uh, on Chevy. I'm sorry, Tom. Were you can about I, to jump in no. with something? Yeah, go ahead. Can can I play. Yeah, I, I just want to add one thing to Liam's point is for live television, using SNL as the example and his resume, he had only done it 20, maybe 25 times before this. Yeah, he, did, he, did, he did like a season and a half. And by this point, he'd hosted a couple of times. So let's round up and say 30, you know, yeah. but that's it. You're right. It's not that many times. It's not like he's Dan Aykroyd, you know, did four seasons and then was like, yeah, I could probably host a talk show, uh, which, by the way, a Dan Aykroyd talk show where he's, you know, drinking his uh, Crystal Head vodka and talking about aliens. I'd, I'd watch that tomorrow, but uh, let's uh, let's see what Chevy's got. Can I point one more thing about the audience, which is with failure talk shows, um, people don't come see them. So they're, the PAs are literally pulling audience off Hollywood Boulevard for these yeah. tapings. So it's not 
like maybe the first episode will be an audience of Chevy Chase fans. After that, it's whoever they can get to sit in those seats. And those people can be rowdy. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of uh, Tom and my background as NBC Pages, it didn't happen often because at the time we were there, the shows that, that it never happened for SNL. But uh, occasionally, you know, a, a taping time would change. People wouldn't show up for whatever reason, like a group wouldn't show up. You would have to like try and wrangle people. Like, do you want to come and see a, a talk show? And I worked for a, a judge show in New York that uh, called Curtis Court. Shout out. Uh, they shared a crew in a studio with Inside Edition. So they re recorded from, I believe it was 7 a.m. to uh, to noon. Uh, you might be surprised to find out that uh, it was filled with uh, homeless people and people who'd been paid to be there. In some cases, homeless people who'd been paid to be there. So, yeah, it can be very difficult. Uh, but I think that this night was probably their biggest turnout. And uh, let, let's uh, watch uh, Chevy banter some more. You know, uh, boy, I'm so excited. <laughs> Look down at his penis. A lot of people wondered why. I wanted to do my own TV show, and I confess I'm one of them. Uh, but I think the moment I knew I wanted to get back on TV was the day my daughters uh, tied me up and made me watch Oh Heavenly Dog twice. <laughs> anyway, after all the fuss and hype last week over that uh, other late night TV show, I finally got to see it. You know something? It just isn't funny. I didn't laugh once except at his hair. And that's why I predict right here and now that my show is going to kick Ted Koppel's ass. Which is a, a very much a joke of the moment because of the uh, Entertainment Weekly cover story with Arsenio Hall where he said, I'm going to kick Jay Leno's ass. So it's uh, very much of the moment. And um, boy, he didn't even come close to uh, dipping into that, uh, that Nightline uh, audience, though. Uh, old, old Cornelius, which is Chevy's real name. Uh, old, old Cornelius uh, did not uh, really eat into uh, any of the, uh, the audience out there. Um, but I don't know. I've, been, I've stood on a stage and been uncomfortable talking to the people there before. So I know what it feels like. Uh, the, they're not really jokes, but I guess that's kind of that one's a joke. I'm going to kick Ted Koppel's ass. And I mean, he got nothing. Why do you think, Tom? I'll ask you I'll ask you the same question, Liam. Is it that he undersold it? He didn't have faith in the joke? Was it not funny? Did the people not know who Ted Koppel was? Let's spend the next 40 minutes <laughs> analyzing, analyzing one sentence. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, 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 I think what you see there will be a theme that we're going to explore as we break every minute down into 15-minute <laughs> conversations is I've worked, listen, I'll, I'll go through the shows I've worked at. I've worked at The View. Uh, I've worked at Rosie O'Donnell. I have uh, worked at uh, Drew Barrymore for a little bit. Uh, I have worked at Rachel Ray for a little bit. And the, the one thing I've noticed when I've worked at these shows, especially when they're first launching, is the hosts are generally good human beings who are happy to be there. And what you just heard in that one sentence is a lot of what I instinctively felt when watching the show and then looking at clips, which is, he's do this is a cash grab. It's a deluded man doing a cash grab. And the second thing that I saw there was, I forgot about the Jay Leno line, but even the Ted Koppel punches, this is a man punching down. <laughs> uh, and no, but like, if you look at like, like you're right at this point, Jay Leno is squirming. 
Letterman is just starting. They're new guys. They're new kids taking over for Carson. Um, it was, uh, you know, a squirm. What was Letterman's first joke? Letterman's joke was, Letterman's first joke I remember was a big applause. And then he pauses and says, if you really think about it, all I did was take the summer off. The punchline yeah. was, I'm not a big deal. Why are you this excited? Yeah. Chevy's first punchline is, I'm, and listen, remember, Chevy's slightly better looking than Jay and Dave at this point, and definitely better looking than Ted Koppel at this point. Here I am, <laughs> good looking man, punching down on three yeah. other guys. It's, uh, to, uh, it, to that it's, point, it's, uh, to that it's point, not likable. Uh, when you would go to a Letterman tape and they would tell you, not to give him a standing ovation. He, it makes him really uncomfortable. Please don't do it. Uh, I think his like last week, they let people do it. His last week at NBC, people did it. And his last week at CBS, I believe they did as well. And yeah, I guess they weren't going to stop them. But uh, yeah, I think that's uh, it's a great comparison because, you know, there's uh, not entirely, you know, Letterman is, is, is a good example because he's not the most likable, warm and fuzzy person, you know, and at the same time, he, his self-loathing was such that he was like, I can't believe anybody's even watching this show at this point, but I, I guess we do a good enough job. And Chevy is slumming it. He's like, can you believe that they've got me doing this? You know, I mean. Uh, I've, I've seen clips of standups who uh, they, they all go into the same thing and they're like, like, wow, I can't believe I'm here on this night uh, doing time. My career sure didn't go the way I wanted. It's like, you're saying that to people who just paid to be in that room, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the people who are paying your salary for the night. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. Chevy, I think was always ill at ease, um, but uh, I I'm sure that uh, he'll warm up to it as he goes through this. <laughs> So we have a great show. We have a great show for you tonight. My old friend and co-star is here, Oscar winner Goldie Hawn. Can I just point something out really quickly? Sure, go ahead. This is the second time the show's made a big deal about the fact that both his guests have Oscars. Yeah. And I mean, Hollywood. I get it's it's the big prize in Hollywood. But I think even in 93, when, when showbiz wasn't so fragmented, that was not that big a deal to have two Oscar-winning guests on your talk show. Like, it's just like wow. your late-night talk show with celebrities. Like, of, of course they're going to... This is, this is long enough ago where uh, Whoopi was not even an EGOT yet. You know, now, yeah. I mean, I think that that's impressive, you know, because uh, there's only like a couple other ones, you know. And so uh, I, I think that, uh, that that's that's much more impressive. Um, what I was uh, alluding to, though, is that, uh, you know, I really hope that that interview with Goldie Hawn doesn't get awkward at any point. I, I hope it's uh, in, at no time is it is it difficult to watch or at all cringy. Also, another Oscar winner and good friend, Whoopi Goldberg. Plus, Kevy have good friends, I don't know. Plus, a man who won a special Oscar for basketball, Sam Archer. I'm glad that's coming. But first, say hello to Tom Scott and the NBC Orchestra. As the show goes along, the house band changes its name to the Hollywood Express. Now, you heard him just say the name of the band. Why do you think that they might change the name of the band? Uh, any ideas, uh, Liam? Uh, Tom? Hey, Tom's raising uh, his hand. Yeah, go ahead. Wrong network. Yeah, well, it's actually the MBC Orchestra. However, uh, it sounds an awful lot like the NBC Orchestra and I might, maybe it's a joke. Maybe it is the NBC orchestra and 
Paul, um, Paul Schaefer changed his band name from World's Most Dangerous Band to the CBS Orchestra um, because uh, there there were a lot of uh, I didn't even think they used the term intellectual property back then, but uh, there were a lot of claims that uh, Letterman wouldn't be able to do the top ten, which of course he did, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, and uh, the the band is uh, I don't know the band's a part of any uh, any talk show, I guess, but. Um, do you think, Liam, that uh, calling it the MBC Orchestra is uh, is a smart idea for uh, for a, a primetime show on the Fox network? Um, no, it's extremely confusing. Honestly, I heard it as the NBC Orchestra. Right. Uh, and I just assumed Chevy had made a mistake um, because he makes a few of them uh, through the course of this of this episode. Oh. Oh yeah, I, I I guess you you might be right uh, that there there might have been a <laughs> more more than one uh, mistake as as uh, he went along. Uh, you know, we talked uh, in our open about how the theater was uh, rechristened the Chevy Chase Theater, and uh, I do remember them. You know, there was at least some degree of coverage about that, and you know, they made a little bit of a, a of a of a fuss about it. I mean, I didn't live in LA at the time, but I kind of remember, I remember there being some buzz about the uh, Chevy Chase show. So uh, I think a perfect way to really get things going with your brand new late night talk show is uh, to have a prepared package, a video that had been taped earlier. Uh, now people who are from the LA area, uh, you might be excited to see uh, honorary mayor of Hollywood, Johnny Grant, who has since uh, passed away, but um, this is not, uh, I, I don't know. Well, let's just let it play. Thank you, Chevy. And now Chevy will christen his new home with champagne, not in a bottle, but in a water balloon. Chevy will fire the champagne at theater using a slingshot made of surgical rubber tubing. <laughs> and with the authority vested in me as the honorary mayor of Hollywood, I hereby declare that when the champagne balloon hits this edifice, it will be officially named the Chevy Chase Theater. Where do you want me to stand? Even in this right. clip, he sounds annoying. He hates everyone there. How far back? Are we ready? <laughs> I don't know if it's the video quality, but I have no idea if it actually hits the theater. And I mean, it's it's a it's a stiff, uninteresting bit. There are no jokes at no point. The jokes are supposed to be, well, we're going to put champagne in a water balloon. Chevy's like a big kid. He's going to use a slingshot. Um, this is prime. This is not prime time, but this is late night network television. Now, remember, this is 1993. No, there weren't only, you know, five channels, but there were less than 40. You know, we all had the cable boxes at some point, probably where you had the, the row of like 12 buttons and you had to click it one, two or three, you know, depending on how many. But you couldn't really get more than 36 channels at a certain point. And uh, there had to be something better on something even mildly more interesting than this, uh, including the local news which apparently is what most people watched instead. Um, what do you think about uh, the christening of the theater, uh, Liam? Let me ask you first, and then uh, Tom, I'll let you jump in. Well, his, his contempt for his audience is he's just seething. Like, he hates this. 
I think the thing you have to remember is when you're making a movie like Fletch or you're making a movie like Spies Like Us or sure. any of the other great movies that Chevy's made, the audience is not Cops there and on, Robertsons. Sorry, Cops and Robertsons. The audience is not there on set with you. You don't have to deal with the crowd. Like they're there, they're in the theater six to eight months later where you don't have to be. Yeah. This is the first time I think Chevy has had to have extended contact with his audience and he's not liking it. Yeah. Uh, it, he thinks that uh, everyone in that audience is Tom Kelly saying you could do some old Nixon <laughs> jokes. You know, that's, that's how he feels. He's zeroed in on everyone around him and he's like, right. yeah, funny kid. By the way, I, I want to see what a Chevy Chase improvised weekend update in a hallway would look like. Oh. oh, if only the crowd would have let it go that far. Uh, <laughs> if only the crowd knew who he was, you know, just imagine. I've heard I've heard stories about writing with Chevy for Weekend Update, and he sounds like a difficult person with not a great sense of humor anymore. I'd love yeah. to hear, and by the way, Liam, for as much as I said I loved you before the show started, had I known you were this knowledgeable about show business, I would have made a better effort to be a friend of yours because I'm oh. thoroughly enjoying listening to you. Whereas oh. Christian wow. is living up to the same high standard he's always set. You are wow. much smarter than I thought you, you were. Um, you missed your well, chance. I've got him now. He's here in L.A. He's yeah. not in New York anymore. We so didn't even get to talk there. about the Alan Thick show and their gimmick of having Gilbert Gottfried in the rafters. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, look. <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, Into the Night with Rick Dees, uh, Thick of the Night. Look, there are many shows. Honestly, I, I think we we this. Well, I was going to say I think we blew it, but maybe this is the pilot episode for. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to our friend Carl Hamburger right. and uh, say like, hey, can we do a standalone? Uh, who are these talk shows? Or, but it's really, I want to do failed talk shows. I don't want to successful one. I'm gonna Go give ahead. you a great idea for a show because I'm enjoying this a lot. Uh, and I know uh, uh, is I wouldn't mind doing a show where we watch all 29 episodes of a Chevy Chase show and just release it as a limited series and let it stand on its own. Like one of them murder podcasts. Yeah. You know, it's I, like a true crime and the true crime was this was network. Uh, no, I, no, nothing on that. I don't, okay. No, no, no. I, I'm not disagreeing because I've. I think I tapped out after I watched this entire episode. I probably recorded it on my VCR just trying to sound old. Uh, and I didn't stay up and watch it. I mean, it was a Monday night. I had school. Let's see, it was 93. So, yeah, I was uh, starting my senior year. So, uh, yeah, I probably was not up watching this. But I definitely recorded it. I definitely watched it. I don't believe I recorded any more episodes after this. Because uh, uh, I've looked at a little bit that's available on YouTube. Uh, and uh, I should uh, I should I should give credit at some point uh, to the channel. If I, if this from, I uh, were uh, allowed to be the guest to bring us back on track, I want to just point out just from the clip you just showed me uh, everything you and Liam just said was you could just see this is a man who's irritated by his fans. One, uh, yes. but two, if I am the man defending the network executives who got him a show. Uh, they're all coming in. All oh, yeah, there's when and again, as a guy who's worked on a number of daytime projects and a few late night projects, um, Liam sort of said this before. Late night shows seem to have contempt for high energy, uh, and new shows like oh, we don't need the crowd. And and what I have always been good at is Tom Kelly's gift in daytime is bringing in a crowd and getting them to an energy level so high it's frankly people look down on me and think it's hacky, uh, but high energy covers up mediocre shows 
And the other thing I want to point out is that when a show starts, there's two ways to look at it. It's like, hey, uh, this is a big shot. Look, we have big guy who, uh, you know, we have a big shot. And then when that starts to fail, they eventually go and we're just like you instead. Yeah. So like this is the, this is a classic first show mistake. Look at what a big shot I am. They renamed a building after me. Uh, and it's important to point out that, again, why Letterman worked and Chevy Chase didn't. Letterman was offered a chance to rename the Ed Sullivan Theater to David Letterman Theater. And he said, no, I can't do that. That would just be cocky. He, that's, a, that's a true story. Uh, what you see here is the point where you need enough hubris to put yourself on television. But too much hubris destroys the show. And that is what you're seeing here in Chevy Chase's. Uh, look, we're all going to enjoy this clip of him shooting champagne out of a water balloon. When in reality, it's who the hell knows if there was really champagne in there. You know, it's just that is just oh, bad I mean, daytime hack. I think I think anyone who's ever worked on television knows that there was not champagne in there. There was I, there was just water. But uh, go I, ahead, Liam. You know, Tom, speaking to your point, you know, a lot of people look down on Leno on his show. But Leno was really, really good at walking that line where it's like he was, you know, his whole bit was. I'm just a working guy like you guys. It's just my job happens to pay a little bit more than yours does. But I clock in at nine. I clock out at five. My staff doesn't work late. And when the audience gives me a standing ovation, I go in for the high five with everyone because I'm not better than the audience. Yeah. Well, and, they, and, and, and that's the and the class. And apparently that was one of the things that made Leno start rating high was Leno was willing to touch his audience in appropriate places, you know, and. <laughs> And look, <laughs> and frankly, that's a gimmick to, to Liam's point. Listen, we make fun of Leno, we knock Leno, but that's still something that's done today. When I sub in to do warm up at Colbert, uh, I practice the high fives. You yeah. know, I practice them going in. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the fundamentally it came down to the fact that uh, Leno came off more likable. I mean, I was uh, I was trying to explain all of this uh, to my wife recently, who uh, I'll, I'll brag for a moment is a, a number of years younger than I am. So she didn't know that Chevy Chase ever had a talk show. Her and her family never watched Letterman. They would watch Leno sometimes. And there's something to be said for the guy who comes off nice and he has the dancing Itos come out and he does uh, Iron J or uh, Beyondo. Was, so it was like little, you know, his chin was really big or his head was really big. And it was like the two effects. And, you know, I, I honestly, I think uh, Conan was the perfect follow up to that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I always preferred Letterman, but I do think people are very quick to uh, discount what, jay did for i mean decades uh but fundamentally it does come down to how likable is your host how likable do they come off but also you do have to have the material that works and we just watched a stiff stodgy building dedication pre-recorded bit so what does chevy and his staff decide to do uh, one, there's a, a, an earnest heartfelt moment about him getting the key to the city, uh, and why it meant a lot to him, but they then follow that up with another pre-recorded bit of him going outside, uh, doing a very specific, uh, dedication, uh, that, uh, people who've been to Hollywood certainly know about, uh, the, the handprints 
in the cement and the footprints in the cement outside of the man's Chinese theater. So uh, I've uh, advanced uh, fairly far into this because there's a lot of like having him walk through the audience and uh, walking outside and we see him. And uh, Johnny Grant is back. Okay. I'm laughing already. Over. Uh, yeah. Uh, All those people work on the show. You can tell. See, Actually, I think I'm that's Eddie Fulton. Right. Right. I'm not going to hate this. Kneel down right where I can see where they made this mistake. And press your hands into the cement. Okay. I don't know so what could possibly right. happen here. Put my He's, uh, there later. He's yeah, bending down at a uh, wet okay. cement. All right. And we all know Jimmy. He's going to put his hands in the cement. Oh, my goodness. He falls right into the water. That's fine. I like that. I think as Chevy is uh, standing there with the audience, uh, he's thinking like, oh, I wish I'd uh, never gotten out of that. You know, I wish I'd wish I'd stayed there. Is that in the wrong place or what? I don't think I put my feet in it. It's too thin to me. It's the first time this has ever happened. Yeah. Well, Johnny. Who's worse at uh, improvising, Chevy Chase or Johnny Grant? Uh, the verdict is out. Uh, send us a message on X at BlackCast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, or leave it in the comments below. Um, I mean, I get it. Chevy's thing was always falling down and uh, uh, seems to have uh, directly uh, related to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, some uh, fun with painkillers, I guess. But allegedly... Um, I don't think it's allegedly he talks about it. Okay, good. I, I, I'm, I'm so worried about this litigious. You know, it's easy for Liam to just, uh, you know, spout off his, uh, his fast I, and loose opinions. I think that bit works if they do it at the Man's Chinese Theater. Yes. I think part of the problem is they're just doing it on the sidewalk outside the studio, where it's like, who, who does that? But I, I feel like if they had set it up at Man's, uh, that would, that would have been a very funny bit. Yes, uh, I'm going to assume that they tried to do it in front of the Chinese theater and uh, they were told no. <laughs> so they're like, all right, it'll be just as good. Um, I'm sorry. I'm really excited that I saw somebody that I recognized in that clip. Um, he, he Listen, you can't let go of a gold bit like that. You just make no. it work somehow. Somehow. Um, but uh, Tom, um, did that work on any level for you? Well, I thought I, I, I'm going to say it worked. It was 1993 funny. It doesn't hold up in the age of TikTok. I mean, you got to remember, here's what I remember okay. about watching classic television. Again, in 1993, again, am I, am I right about this? Listen, show got canceled. I could be wrong. I, I, I'm obviously, anytime I defend Chevy Chase, I'm wrong here because the show lasted 29 episodes. But sure did. you know what, man? It was a, it, 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 the setup was too long. Uh, it, what I saw there was a mistake that I used to make in the way I used to mock late night TV on my hit local cable access show in college, which is, you know, like what, like it's funny. You know what I miss about 1970s and 1980s TV shows, which you don't see anymore, are establishing shots. Like it sounds stupid, but look, he's <laughs> yeah. walking down the hallway. You've never seen this before. At a certain point, you have, and we're over it. I mean, in the year 2023, not funny. I'm over it 30 years later, but in 1993, ooh, it's exciting. Look, that's a TV studio. So he's walking outside. And then, ha, 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 he fell into the concrete. Uh, to, I would, to, I, you know. To your point about it being 1993 funny, I just uh, want to follow up. Have you ever seen, I don't know, something like the the Jack Benny program or You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx? Or I'll even go a little bit more contemporary, Monty Python's Flying Circus. 
Um, people were capable of being funny by 1993. Um, and uh, it just, it, it just, neither one of those bits worked. And it's just like, we're like, uh, let me just see, because they haven't gone to commercial yet. We're only nine minutes into the show and uh, we are going to jump around a little bit. Uh, I mean, I, I know, you know, it's funny. I have to go soon. I don't know if we yeah. can break this into a two part. No, Liam, Liam's going to have to go in a little bit too. I, I have a couple, I have a couple of things that I want to get to. And uh, uh, Tom, you can message me uh, how many minutes you have, but uh, I know, I know Liam has a, uh, has a heart out uh, in, in, a, in a little bit longer. I got but, 30, um, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, and and uh, I've got a big uh, a big media appearance in a little bit, um, so yeah, but uh, so yeah, we'll do we'll do just a few more minutes uh, because Tom, I think it's very important you stick around for a bit that Liam and I were speaking about in the waiting room uh, before you came out, uh, and we did show this on who are these broadcasters. Um, I want you to take special note of how uh, Chevy sets up the clip, how comfortable he seems, and then also uh, what happens uh, happens next. Um, I think we might have gone. <laughs> yeah. So he's got he's commentating on all. The, uh, Boy, man. They're gonna really have to thicken that stuff up because I had to shower within a minute and a half. You know. You know I love music. I love to sing. And I love to make a fool of myself. Uh, watch the monitors. Roll it, Steve. I was blue and I was always wearing a brown Because my girl had turned me down Then we met and you the man I knew from the first You were my love Just that's the old gray flapper So... There's uh, hey, two mind hey, faces, hey, and now there's a the third one. All three of them Chevy Chase. And the, uh, the one with those glasses on is the one that the other two seem to not like. Uh, and, uh, you know, just describing it for our audio audience. Uh, they're all really annoyed by Chevy. So it just reinforces the point we've been making that uh, Chevy is uh, so annoyed by other people. He even hates uh, other iterations of himself. And I have read extensively about this show. And I guess that he's going for an Ernie Kovacs show vibe, which, you know, was an early television oh. show pioneer in sort of like bits and playing with split screens okay. and stuff. But I mean, I won't pretend that I I've seen reruns of the Ernie Kovac show and thought they were funny. They did used to show them on comedy central. Um, but uh, yeah, so it it's, you know, it's a long drawn out bit. I mean, he, it just keeps going, you know, and this is 10 minutes of content and we're already like probably 15 minutes of, of airtime, you know, cause we don't have commercials in this version. Uh, and Tom, what are your thoughts when you see uh, three white-faced Chevy Chases uh, all singing together and uh, being mildly annoyed by e e one another? I, I have to tell you something. Thank you for explaining that because I did a deep Google of that bit today because I did not understand it and I didn't understand how it fit into the Chevy Chase show at all. Yeah. And I, I'm going to just uh, – I, I, I'm going to go with Liam here and just be careful about – I'm enjoying us talking to each other. I'm not sure if I'm enjoying the clips of the show or it sounds no. crazy. I think we're doing, a, no, but I don't mean it in a mean way. Like I, I'm making fun of us, but yeah. 
I think that's just something I can justify the water balloon. Yeah. And I don't mean like I can, I can justify the hands in the cement, Uh, you know, uh, and now this is where I go. All right. I can't defend that one. I don't know what that was. And, um, and and here's the thing, Tom, we've talked a lot about production that goes into a, a number of shows and, Think about the time, uh, you know, Chevy had to get slightly different makeup for each of those faces. You do have to split the screens and you have to sync it up so that they all sing along. I can't imagine how many takes that took. What I will tell you is that a lot of time and effort must have gone into that bit because they played it again two nights later on episode three of the Chevy Chase show in its entirety, by the way. And we did not show the entirety i just uh you know we talked over yeah and, and listen you see it. that with all these shows once the, once the host gets big and i think you, one thing i can just tell from a gut instinct as a man who's been around daytime tv let me tell you kid you gotta you gotta respect the host's time and what happened there was his time was already a commodity like that what i see in chevy is like season 20 energy not season one i'm happy to be here energy <laughs> for a new host and that was a bad bit. That was a bad bit. I can't defend it. I did not yeah. like, listen, I, I love bad comedy. It's why I admire the stylings of Liam McEnany here is, uh, no, oh! for real. But... Wow. Oh! Shots fired. No, no, but Man. not even shots fired. But I mean, what I said before the show is you're a comics comic. Sometimes you would tell a joke that would be dry and I'd be laughing my ass off. And then you'd have this, like, you, you would fight the audience sometimes. I remember you were a great comic and what, I am, and I would, if I were seeing Liam performing, I'd be like, listen, no, Liam's great because this, this, and this. I am not seeing that in what I just saw here. There's no tangible goodness. In fact, oh. I'm going to argue the waste of white paint in that pit right there. Like, there was nothing discernibly good about it. And I, and I didn't mean that as a shot, Liam. I meant that as a why I love you is when I use the phrase comics, comic. Yeah. Uh, Tom this is, was Tom is clearly comics, rethinking uh, what, what he said, but I, I felt like I knew what you no. meant. And, and, and you know, you, I, I feel like you don't need to backpedal from it. And, uh, no, no, I'm a bad I, comic. I get it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> So uh, I, think I, you, I, I think you guys are right, uh, but I, I want you to finish your thought, Liam. Go ahead. I just want to say I was watching this bit and my, I was thinking about how there was a time when Chevy Chase was the hippest guy in the room. I mean, like, yeah. it's easy to forget Saturday Night Live, the hippest show. And sure. then uh, his movies, his early movies with Goldie Hawn uh, were like, you know, he was the original drummer for, for what became Steely Dan. I mean, like this guy, you know, he was a National Lampoon guy before he was ever on TV. I mean, this guy had his thumb on what was edgy and interesting and different. And now he's doing this like bad sub, uh, you know, Ernie Kovacs bit where he's miming and singing lead uh, to an old, old uh, comedy record. It's just kind of sad. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's the uh, up note we should leave it on because I do agree with both of you that uh, it's uh, it's so much fun to take this time to go through the Chevy Chase show. I wanted to make sure. Can I beg you to do this as a two parter and then maybe Chevy Chase will do a third part making fun of us making fun of him. I'm trying to say that I, I'm going to, I, I want to put a pin in it now uh, yeah. for, for this episode because I wanted to get us to the point before the guests have even come out. So uh, in our next episode, uh, Chevy is going to welcome two Oscar winners. Uh, one of whom I know uh, Tom Kelly is very fond of. And honestly, I don't have anything bad to say about 
anything that uh, Whoopi Goldberg has to say or do in this episode, except for the gift she gives him. So that's our tease. That's oh, she not tells her fault. Did she tells yeah. a story that that um, is not a late night talk show story? Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I think both uh, guests are I, like, "Fuck this show." It's very well, interesting to watch. I mean, the the uh, we need so much time for yeah. Goldie Hawn that this might actually be a three parter because <laughs> there is a, a celebrity cameo as part of the Goldie Hawn segment, which I know Liam, you've watched it, so you know who I'm talking about. Uh, just you didn't know he was a celebrity at the time. So uh, there's so much more to come as we break down only episode one of the Chevy Chase show. Tom, I love your idea for doing a, a whole limited series on this. I, I think 26 episodes isn't enough. I think we need at least 52. <laughs> we could get a year of weekly episodes. I do think some of these are not available, though. Um, so. Uh, as we put a pin in Chevy for right now, and uh, I will give a shout out to VHS Archives on YouTube. Uh, that is the source for where I found these and some other episodes of the Chevy Chase show. I, uh, I tried to download the clips myself and present them, but I was less than successful. So as we bid adieu for now, uh, Tom, let people know where they can find you. And your wares as oh the tomkellyshow.com my friend uh the gateway to my own podcast my social media and all things in the tom kelly empire uh this was a delight guys thank you guys and absolutely um, go ahead liam where can people find you well first i'd like to say that when tom and i had met i'd already been a professional uh comedy writer and had been on tv a few times uh so i wasn't just did you did you big time tom kelly (laughs) I didn't, oh, but I, and, and I really just, I just, I just wanted to point out, all jokes aside, I actually did do well in front of audiences uh, at one point in my career. <laughs> oh, I, I, and let's own this. You had a, pre- I mean, no, you, my genuine yeah. respect is not heard. Uh, you had a premium blend. You were a, when I say comics, comic, right. you were great. And then right. there were moments where you would intentionally fight them. And I loved it. And be that, no, you were right. great, my friend. I don't no, want to. I fucked around too much on stage, but I just wanted fucked to make around that is the word. I just wanted fucked to make that point that uh, yep. that I, I am a professional. I just uh, and, I, and, and let me also argue just for a second. Uh, 2001 Liam is also, quite frankly, more accomplished than 2023 Tom Kelly. Uh, I'm jealous of his resume. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't want to say that, but um, yeah, that's, that's what he's but saying. I, but I'm I'm saying all that to say I got nothing to plug. Uh, you can find uh, me on but, the but 2001 Liam had never uh, had lunch with Jackie the Joke Man Martling. So uh, hey. obviously, uh, I, 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 by the way, I'm not knocking it. I wish I had had lunch with Jackie. I, that's I, a great I, story. And um, Jackie, Jackie's a very interesting guy. But uh, I will say you can find me on the Black Cast talking about uh, the Chevy Chase show. Yes. As, <laughs> as soon as we're it. done, I know Tom has to leave, but we're, we're going to figure out how to schedule it. And people will get that. Uh, not this time, uh, but oh wait, I got to give all my plugs. Don't forget to tune into who are these broadcasts? No, don't forget to tune into who are these broadcasters every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on the Who Are These Podcast Network, uh, where you will see us go through clips very much like this. Except when Carl hits play, they actually play the video and the sound at the same time. <laughs> I've still got my training wheels on, but that's all right. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at christian dmz of course twitter is called x now so you can find all those things there uh and i appreciate everyone who is watching 
And please tune in for our next episode. That will not be this time on the Blackcast. That'll be next time on the Blackcast. Thank you for listening to the Blackcast. Blackcast. Wendy, put Blackcast's comment up. How is it that Wendy is so much better at this than Joe, Chad, and Kevin Brennan? It's fantastic. So why, so the Blackcast. So Thank you, Christian. How is it that Wendy like is so much so better at this than Stut Joe, Chad, and Kevin Brennan? Whoa! Hacka hackers! Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. Like The Bladcast on Facebook, follow at Bladcast on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, the man responsible for what you just heard is on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. John Kaludi, two bucks potato. Show a clip of you rapping. Bust a move, please. I'll say I sent I, that. That was in the um, the email for WATS this week, and Carl ignored it. He didn't find you interesting enough to play. Wow. He played it on. Uh, actually, you might be upset. He played on. Who are these broadcasters? That son of a bitch. <laughs> he, he took it to his, his new his new baby show, his new show. Like I mean, as Vin, as pissed off as Vinny is at you for yeah. stealing Carl's attention, yeah, yeah, you yeah. should be at Christian Blatt and Eric Zane for just pushing. Yeah, how you does it even qualify? You're not a broadcaster. If it makes you feel any better, uh, Christian's in the in the uh, chat right now, and everyone's telling is. him to swallow lead. So. <laughs> that makes you feel any better. Um, it does, actually. Yeah. Uh, Black cast. Two bucks. KB is 100% this slow. He doesn't get it. FKB. Uh, yeah, I can't tell if it's an act. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D-M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. Christian, you are no, you're a, you're a talker. Talk about the fact you can't say you, like that on YouTube. No, you're like the I worst broadcast ever. Well, this has been the Bladcast. You can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I'm getting ready to break into a Slim Jim. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to isolate that and start putting it at the end credits of the Blackcast, uh, where we have a little montage of clips. Beyond the rim of starlight, my love is wandering in starflight. I know he'll find star-clustered reaches. Love, strange love a star teaches. I know his journey ends. Never his Star Trek will go on forever. But tell him while he wanders his starry sea, remember, remember me. The Black Cast, thank you for the one ninety nine, Christian. Uh, Cardiff, grab your guitar to play whole lot of Rosie. Stay tuned till the end of the show, I will. Is that a real song? Yeah, ACDC. I don't know anything about songs or movies. I'm sorry, Christian. I don't know anything. Mousies. <laughs> Mousies? The Bloodcast 199. Who's had more hands up their bum, Chad or Tukey? <laughs> Chad. I think that's the answer. I think that is the answer. Thank you, Bladcast. I'm going to name drop real quick. I hope that's okay. I had Please. Christian Blatt in my house this past weekend. Bladcast. The Bladcast is 100% right. Uh, the Bladfest. Oh, I like this one. This is nice. This is what you were saying, Richard. The Bladcast. Thank you for two bucks. The Bladcast.
One of the best podcasts you can ever see, the Black Cast. Whoop-dee-doo, we're watching it. We got no Wi-Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Bladcast. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500 last time I checked. Hello, fellow favorite person of Christian Blatt. How are you? Hi, other fellow <laughs> favorite person of Christian Blatt. <laughs> Our boy, Christian Blatt. I'm glad Christian Blatt uh, put that up because I totally forgot I am doing the Blatt tomorrow. We have Christian Blatt on the show. And by the way, I want you guys to pay attention to both Christian and Brian, who are aggressively ignoring you. <laughs> Christian looks particularly <laughs> troubled there. Are you guys playing Wordle with each other? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I have a friend who does a podcast with his wife and another guy. And whenever the wife talks, this is what me and Christian are doing. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't, I, I can't shit on him for it anymore. Now, like now that I see myself doing it. But E-Rock's talking about some boring shit right there. <laughs> I'm going to pull back the curtain for you guys. At that moment, I was texting Christian and saying, I'm going to fake a heart attack. And he was <laughs> texting me saying, I'm going to fake an earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it was Christian Blatt. Forty said the worst things about his mother. And, and for some reason, Jed doesn't care about that. I'll ask Christian where he got that from. I'm not uh, familiar with that. Uh, the Bladcast 499. Wasn't Florentine on either Pumio show or MLC and everyone started ragging on Chad's mom? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. That's yeah. what Christian's talking about. Got it. Well, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed. <laughs> that was not my fault. Tuki loves you all more than a friend. I love Tuki. Yay! <laughs> hacka, hacka!